As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Charlotte FC entered the 2022 MLS season with plenty of doubters. But Miguel Ángel Ramírez had the team performing surprisingly well. However, Ramírez was fired on Tuesday. Sam Stasekel is here to explain what we know about why he was let go. And he also previews another potentially interesting shift in American soccer. Brendan Aronson playing central midfield in the U.S. men's friendly against Morocco tonight. I'm Alex Abnos from The Athletic, and this is Soccer Every Day for Wednesday, June 1st. We are back from a long holiday weekend, and apparently it's like a, it's like a garden hose that you're pinching at the end. All the news was waiting all holiday weekend to to to, to happen, and it all happened uh, on Tuesday. Uh, two big things happening uh, today on Wednesday. One of which is Charlotte is dealing with the fallout from. Uh, we can just say it. They fired uh, their head coach Miguel Angel Ramirez. And uh, the U.S. men's national team plays tonight in a friendly against Morocco. Sam Stasekel is closely following both of these stories, so that is why he is on the show today. Sam, how are you doing? Uh, I feel like I've been back at work for more than one day, Alex. That's how I'm doing. Uh, no, I'm doing. Yeah. I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? I'm. I'm. I'm doing all right. It's been a busy one, uh, but let's go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, the U.S. men's national team plays tonight. Uh, as I mentioned, you are currently in Cincinnati. Uh, to cover this game against Morocco. And Greg Berhalter had a a press conference today where he divulged what felt to me like more information than usual (laughs) about what he's planning to do. Yeah. Uh, And included in that is a a change of approach towards Brendan Aronson. So before we get into that, Sam, remind people maybe uh, sort of who haven't seen the national team play or, or haven't seen Brendan Aronson play for a while. What has his role been for the national team lately? And how does that compare with how he's been playing or where he's been playing uh, for Red Bull Salzburg? Yeah. So Aronson almost exclusively with the national team has played as a winger. The lone exception to that was in the first, the very first game of qualifying back in El Salvador in September when he lined up as one of two number eights in a 4-3-3. So playing as a central midfielder, kind of more advanced. Um, He wasn't very good in that game. 
Um, a lot of people were not very good for the U.S. in that game. Um, fine defensively, but just like not a ton going forward. Not a very inspiring performance. He moved out to the wing. Subsequently, in the next match against Canada, he scored the U.S.'s lone goal in that game um, and continued to do pretty well out there for the first half, I would say, of qualifying and, and has stayed there ever since. For his club, Red Bull Salzburg, now leads United, um, plays a more central role. For Salzburg, kind of played at the tip of the midfield. Um, a lot of active counter-pressing and pressing. Um, some creativity there. But the best skill that Aronson has is running around like a maniac and bothering the hell out of everyone. I think Weston McKinney called him an annoying little gnat today, which I thought was a rather apt way to describe him. High, high praise, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, the man is world-class at running and bothering people. Like, literally, world-class at that. Um, very few people in the world can do it as well as he does. So, he will bring that element um, to the inside because Greg Berhalter let us all know that Aronson will be starting. Is He didn't say a number eight, so I'm not going to say that, but as in, in a central role uh, against so not. Not as a winger, not where he's been playing for the U.S. Correct. for the vast majority of his appearances. Uh, this seems like the kind of move, Sam, that will have multiple sort of knock-on effects, both in the position where he was playing before this at winger, and also potentially in the midfield trio that that Greg Berhalter likes to deploy. Let's start with the winger position. Uh, what sort of you know impact will Aronson's move have there? Do you think it, this offers maybe an opportunity for somebody else to step up or... Um, or maybe not so much. Not really. I mean, I think Christian Pulisic and Tim Weah will start. Those are two that we saw start for quite a few matches in qualifying. Obviously, Christian Pulisic is kind of the first name on the sheet at that position and maybe on the whole team. So no surprise there. Uh, Tim Weah had a really good qualifying campaign as well. Uh, probably better than Aronson's when, when you look at the entirety of the performances. So I don't think it's a huge shakeup there. It's more of a shakeup in the middle. Um, but when you dig underneath the surface, it sort of makes sense. Weston McKenney is returning from injury. He is on this team. He is not yet ready to start. Um, Greg Berhalter said that he thinks he can go about 20 minutes against Morocco. Uh, Georgi Mihailovic, a new face who a lot of people were, were eager to see in this camp, myself included, after his exploits with Montreal, suffered a really unfortunate ankle injury over the weekend at MLS, and he's not able to be here. Christian Roldan, another option in the central positions. Uh, he he just played on Sunday night in Seattle. He didn't even train today. He traveled, or excuse me, he didn't train on Tuesday. He traveled on Monday, and, and he, along with his teammate in Seattle, Jordan Morris, they were just riding stationary bikes during practice on Tuesday. So he's not quite ready to go full on Wednesday night. Malik Tillman is another option there, but he's brand new. This is literally his first ever time to the United States, um, and he only just got approval from FIFA to be able to suit up. So it's probably unrealistic that he's going to start. So it came down to Luca De La Torre, most likely, or Aronson mm -hmm. to start alongside Eunice Musso. And uh, seems like Berhalter wants to go with, with a different look. Uh, we know what, what De La Torre can bring. Uh, I think his place is relatively secure at this point. Um, so move Aronson inside and, and see how it works. Um, and, and we'll see what, what the knock-on effects are for the rest of the team. It does make me wonder, though, Alex, if Gio Reyna was healthy, would he be the player moving inside? Um, yeah. he of course is not. So that is a moot point. Well, I'm, I'm going to ask you to, to put on your, your speculation hat here for a second. I think we can probably assume that if Aronson moves into the middle and the U S plays terribly in this game and gets no, 
you know, isn't able to generate any chances and just looks generally very static. And, and we bad. probably and won't prob- see it again. Yeah. And we probably won't see it again. Um, but if he, if in this game they look amazing, maybe better than they ever have, is that just going to be Aronson's position with the United States from now on? Is that oh. is that going to be permanent? Or is this just the sort of thing that's going to make him even more valuable because he can do two different positions or, you know, what, what, what do you think the balance will be there? And again, I, I realize I'm asking you to speculate here about yeah. something you, you so may not know. If Aronson kills it and if the U S looks yeah. great and beats a good Morocco team, this is no yeah. slouch Morocco, a lot of really good players on that side. Uh, if he looks amazing, then yeah, I think you'll see something like that again. One game does not a sample make. So he would have to do it again for it to continue on and continue forward. It would give the U S something of a different look though. And I think the most important thing with this quote unquote experiment is the structure and how it works. And is this replicable with Gio Reyna at a world cup? Because if you can unlock some of his creativity and ability on the ball and in possession in a central role, then I think you unlock a lot of possibilities for the U S attack and he has a lot more of that technical skill than Brendan Aronson does, in my opinion. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Well, uh, it'll be definitely very interesting to see how that works out and if it ends up continuing in some way or another. Uh, But that is just half the news today. The other half is uh, Charlotte FC. I think it's fair to say uh, shocked the MLS world today by, by firing... Uh, their their head coach, their inaugural head coach in their expansion season, Miguel Angel Ramirez. Uh, Sam, what do we know about how how this went down, why it went down? Because I think a lot of people, you included, myself included, thought Charlotte was really, really, really going to struggle this year. And they haven't been great, but they haven't been bad. They're, they're sitting with a pretty decent record uh, so far in MLS. They've looked all right. They've gave the Sounders a game most recently over the weekend. What's the, what, 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 what happened here? What, what, you know, you, you don't see teams like this firing their coach all that often, except yeah. maybe occasionally in MLS. <laughs> I mean, the general expectation from folks around the league with Charlotte entering the season was they're going to be dreadful. No one thought they had the players to, to really go out and succeed. They've added a few pieces, Carl Sodarski and, and Carl Joswiak, or excuse me, Camille Joswiak, most notably. Yeah. Um, but I don't think anyone looks at those two guys and says, those are huge difference makers in MLS. Um, not that they're bad players or anything like that, but they're not, you know, MVP level. And Charlotte, as you've mentioned, has had decent results. They're an eighth in the Eastern Conference. They have 16 points through 14 games. They're right there on the door of the playoff line. But I think most importantly, you go beyond their results and they've looked organized. 
you know, like, yeah. and, and that's something that not a lot of teams in MLS always do, particularly <laughs> expansion teams. Yeah. You know, Nashville is a good example of a team that did for sure, but they had some run up and some continuity from USL carrying over the same head coach, same GM, some of the same players. Charlotte was brand new. Uh, you know, you think about the team ahead of Charlotte in the standings, Miami, and how much of a disaster they were with a much more talented roster, I might add, in their right. inaugural year. And and Charlotte is right there. They're doing pretty well. And around the league, people that I've spoken to over recent weeks and, and you know, on Tuesday were pretty full of praise for Ramirez and the job that he's been able to do there. And so this one definitely came like Thunderbolt out of the blue. And I think mostly it boils down to Ramirez and, and the sporting director, Zoran Carneta, just not really being able to work together anymore. Um, there were factions in the locker room, our own John Hayes, who might may or may not be producing this very episode. Rep- he, he may be, yes. Um, <laughs> reporting that, that uh, you know, there was a designated player that basically said, I'm not going to play for Ramirez after the international break put two and two together there, which, which guys are, are, are gone, which guys are TPs. Yeah. Um, it looks like Swiderski on that one. Um, so yeah, there were definitely some senior players that, that wanted him gone. There were some players that liked him. Uh, that's common in any locker room players like, and dislike coaches as anyone who's ever been on a team will be able to understand uh, <laughs> or ever had a boss at all. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so I think ultimately this kind of came down to Ramirez and Kurnetsa just not really being a match and not really being able to work together. It certainly wasn't the results. And I was told on the record by a Charlotte spokesman on Tuesday evening that there wasn't anything else going on. It wasn't an ethical or legal concern or anything of that nature. So it was, you know, a business or a sporting decision, but it wasn't driven by results. So what does that leave you? Right. Kind of a power um, struggle and personality conflict. Well, you, that leads me very nicely into my next and last question, which is where does this leave Charlotte? I mean, you know, what are, what are, what are their plans for the rest of the year? You know, what sort of coach can they hope to attract at this point? What's, what's going on with them? I think Christian Latanzio, who's their interim coach for the rest of this season. Um, he was hired by the club, not by Ramirez as an assistant Mm. prior last summer. He was actually brought on before Ramirez was, I believe from remembering my timeline correctly. Uh, he'll get to see this out. And if he does a good job, then he'll, he'll continue on. I'm sure. Um, he's pretty well thought of among the people that I've spoken to. I actually asked Sean Johnson about him on Tuesday in Cincinnati. Um, Sean Johnson played under Latanzio when, when the two were at NYCFC and Latanzio was an assistant there. Uh, And he had really good things to say about him. So, you know, we'll see how that shakes out. I think he deserves, um, he deserves some time, certainly, and, and we'll see what he does. Um, and to be fair, it seems like some players in the Charlotte locker room welcome this. So they might get that bump. They might perform even better. And then Cornado <laughs> might come out looking great. Um, but I think the overarching theme with Charlotte is just kind of like, this club is super volatile. And they've been playing in MLS for only three months yeah and and it's working okay so far so more power to them um but typically the clubs that are volatile in this league and in many others and in many other sports you know that volatility comes at a cost and so we'll see if charlotte can survive it and maybe become a little bit more stable or if this eventually kind of it becomes a little bit of more of their undoing 
Well, Sam, I know that you're working on a story uh, that goes into a little bit more detail, uh, maybe a lot of bit more detail. I know that the reporting is Hopefully ongoing. a lot more. Uh, a lot more uh, yeah. on, the, on the whole situation in Charlotte. So listeners should definitely check that out once it's out alongside uh, some of our colleagues here at The Athletic. But until then, Sam, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, Alex. Before we go, your TV guide for today, for those of you living in the United States, all times as usual are Eastern, and it's actually a very, very big day. Every game matters a whole lot. Uh, Starting off, of course, with World Cup qualifying at 2.45 p.m., the UEFA playoff Scotland versus Ukraine for a spot in the World Cup. It doesn't get too much bigger than this, especially considering everything going on with Ukraine lately. That is at 2.45 p.m. on ESPN2 and Tudene. At the same time, at 2.45 p.m., the CONMEBOL UEFA Cup of Champions. This is basically a a game against the most recent winners of the European Championship and the Copa America. At 2.45 p.m., it is Italy versus Argentina. That is on Fox Sports 1. Later tonight, two games at 7.30. The U.S. men's friendly against Morocco, which we talked about just now with Sam, is on ESPN2 and 2DN. And then on the women's side of things in the NWSL at 7.30, Washington Spirit hosting the Chicago Red Stars. That is on Paramount+. Plus. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from the Scoopmaster, John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can subscribe for $1 a month for six months by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Thank you so much for listening, and happy soccer to you all.